Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grussick, and uh, Russell Hanby, my co-host for our regular segment of What's Making News, is busting a gut to get on air, so we'll no further ado. Welcome to Russ. How are you going there, buddy? Good, good thanks, Henry. How are you today? I'm very well. It's a lovely sunny day. You know when you get good weather, Russell... Um, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes you feel much better. We've had a lot of heavy rain lately, but uh, look at nice warm days at the moment. Mm-hmm. And let's uh, let's let's keep our fingers crossed. And uh, the only good thing about one thing, one good thing about our weather here, I always say this to people who bag Melbourne weather, is that look, if it's raining today, it'll be sunny tomorrow. <laughs> it doesn't stay the same for too many days in a row. Now we've got some great topics today, Russell. There's um, this one surprised me in the Age this week: secret stockpileless plastic bag recycling collapses. Australia's largest plastic bag recycling program has collapsed amid revelations hundreds of millions of bags and other soft plastic items dropped off by customers at Coles and Woolworths are being secretly stockpiled in warehouses and not being recycled. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that until I heard it on the news myself. Yes, uh, the Coles and Woolworths, they've got collection bins for what we call that scrunchable soft plastics. Now, that's intended to be recycled and is used apparently in the making of concrete, asphalt, street furniture, bollards and shopping trolleys. And up to 5 million plastic items a day are collected, but they're currently being warehoused in long-term storage, thousands of tonnes of them. So uh, it's not being recycled. Now, the company Red Cycle is uh, going now to suspend collections. Now, apparently, three companies that normally accept their plastic for recycling no longer do so, so it's just being hoarded away. Now, the company said it would commit to processing at a later date and it certainly wouldn't go into a landfill. And, of course, in recent years, we've had a huge, highly toxic fires occurring in warehouses when recycling businesses collapsed, haven't we? Absolutely. It, it, um, it does seem a bit of a, a sort of a counterproductive problem we've got here. We, we all thought that when we hand them back, it's going to be good, but um, it's not. And it's also becoming a bit of a health hazard through what you just said, you know, fires and the like. Yes, and uh, obviously it's been going for some time like this, and uh, we've been, I, I know we put ours in the bin religiously, as it were, and uh, thought it was going to a good cause, but it's just been sort of stashed away. Yeah, and see, um, Red Cycle, I mean, some of it's tied up with they've lost Plastic Forests, another small-scale recycling partner that made garden planting kits. They lost them in February 2021, and uh, just recently, a week or so ago, outdoor furniture and decking maker Repla stopped accepting plastics because it had an oversupply and was planning to phase out processing the material. Uh, the future's a bit glum there by the looks of it. What do you reckon? Yes, it is. And I imagine, uh, well, you won't be able to deposit them anymore pretty soon, I imagine. Uh, I think today our local stores still have the bin, but I don't think it'll be there for too long. Mm, mm. What do you think the solution to all this is? Well, I suppose, I don't know, they've got to get uh, companies to accept these re- the uh, materials again. Apparently it was uh, successful to do, but they've just gone out of business themselves. So you know, I don't know what the short term is. We don't want to just, well, the short term will be that people will just be putting it in their, their landfill bins again, won't they, you know? Yeah, which is exactly the opposite of what we want. Is Is it a lack of, like... Where is it falling down? Why are these companies going broke? Um, people not buying recycled plastic products or have we got too many? 
I don't know. It's hard to know, isn't it? Or is it in the two hard bars, is it too hard to do? Who knows, you know? But, Russell, uh, Russell Hanby might find out for us, right? You know, how, <laughs> you know the super sleuth of all news, the news, um, the news behind the news. I think we should get him on. I know. He used to have a, he used to have a regular segment of that uh, not that long ago, didn't he? <laughs> we'll get him on to we'll it. We'll get him on to yeah. that. The news behind the news on why this is not proving to be a sustainable industry at the moment beyond the you know the normal answers we get russell all right well i'll, I'll see how we go <laughs> <laughs> we're recycling russell's old job back to him <laughs> pardon the pun <laughs> listeners do you run for your life russell well, uh, this is a, an article in the uh, Herald Sun, Run for Your Life. Uh, women with breast cancer can live better lives if they exercise regularly, a Melbourne study has found. And the, uh, the Baker Heart and Diabetes Institute has shown that weekly supervised exercise protects women's hearts from the harm of chemotherapy. Uh, lead researcher Andre Lagesh uh, wants a good supervised exercise program to be offered to all women with breast cancer going through chemotherapy. And that leads apparently to improved heart function. And uh, in fact, some chemotherapy is known to harm the heart, its blood vessels and skeletal muscle. And uh, in fact, cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death in breast cancer survivors. Now, many women undergoing chemotherapy, they lose about 10 to 15% of cardiac fitness, which uh, equates to about 10 years of normal ageing. Now, with this exercise, though, they found that women, they looked at the survey between 41 and 75 years old, they did improve cardiovascular health by 8% or eight years of fitness if they did exercise. And apparently it also raises their energy levels and it can also help the chemo drugs work more effectively by reducing toxicity. So it seems that uh, this supervised uh, exercise routine uh, wins on all points, doesn't it? Well, it just confirms what we say about almost everything, Russell, doesn't it? You know, as the more sedentary a lifestyle you lead... Um the more you put at risk uh, your good health um, and well-being. And so <clears throat> it's hardly counterintuitive, is it? No, that's right. It sort of makes sense. But this is they've done their survey and, and investigated, and apparently uh, it is a true fact that uh, they just need to do exercise uh, under a sort of supervision, I guess. It's got to be a properly uh, sought-out exercise. Do you get running around much in your life, or are you a bit sedentary these days? I used to jog a lot when I was much younger. Now I just stick to the bike and walking uh, these days. What's, what's the benefits of riding a bike in terms of the exercise? Uh, I suppose that depends on how you ride your bike and where you ride your bike. Would that And yes. what type of bike you're riding? That's right, yes, it would. I mean, if you've got an electric bike, you're just sitting and it's pretty sedentary, isn't it? But, <laughs> is yours electric or gas? <laughs> if you want to do going up hills and you get the old heart going, it's good and... Uh, and, of course, walking up hills is very good for you too, even though it uh, might be as enjoyable as walking in the flat. Well, you've got that opportunity. Uh, you live near the foothills of the Dandenongs. When you go walking and cycling, do you shoot straight up the Dandenongs or do you go around them? Oh, sort of not at the base of them. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's flat, yes. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you would be. I, I just had my suspicions there, Russell, about that. Look, why don't you tootle up those thousand steps which can't be too um you know very famous steps uh, that many people tootle up on the weekends um you do tootling up them very often i haven't done it it's been closed for ages <laughs> I, I, I think they've just reopened them or broken part of them now but uh, for several months they weren't open you know during lockdown periods and that 
That must mm. have been a relief for you. You didn't have to explain <laughs> why you weren't climbing. You know, when you get up them, though, it's nice coming back down again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's one saving grace, isn't it? <laughs> there is. We'll take a short break. Don't go away. And we're listening to What's Making News, part of uh, Henry Grossack's Viewpoints program. I'm Russell Handy, and here's Henry again. Oh, welcome back. Thank you for the introduction, Russell. I thought after those rather embarrassing questions I asked you about the type of uh, writing yeah. you do at the base of the Dandenongs rather than up them, you might <laughs> you might have just taken the whole program over by yourself. But thank you for uh, introducing me. And on that note, I'll introduce our next issue, which is an interesting one, a bit... Uh, a little bit sad for people in the age this week. Not a Merry Christmas. Consumers hit by inflation, tightened their belts. Soaring inflation and rising interest rates have driven confidence among consumers down to levels last seen during the depths of COVID-19 lockdowns as many Australians plan to slice Christmas spending as they struggle with falling real incomes. Yes, um, the International Monetary Fund, Treasury and the Reserve Bank have all downgraded expectations for the domestic and global economy over the past four years amid high inflation and efforts to control it through tighter monetary policy. The RBA recently lifted its interest rates to 2.85%, the highest level since 2013. And uh, ANZ Roy Morgan and Westpac, they both measured the uh, shopper confidence falling to the lowest level since uh, early 2020. Now, many households are bracing for the tough 2023, not the least being the higher energy costs that have been predicted. And Westpac found that 40% of the people surveyed are going to cut Christmas spending this year. And in fact, that real household income across the country has fallen by 0.7% in the June quarter. So not the wonderful times in that regard. So I won't be expecting much of a Christmas gift from Santa Claus uh, coming out of Ferntree Gully this year, Russell. <laughs> no, we might have to trim it back a bit, I think, yes. Yeah, well, if you get sick of riding that bike of yours, that high-tech bike, what is it, electric or is it a, No, not just electric? standard, oh, non-electric. <laughs> <laughs> very, ba- very basic, yes. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be very interesting because a lot of businesses rely very heavily on Christmas shopping, don't they? And it's been a really tough couple of years for them, Russ. Um, one has to be a little bit concerned in that regard because there's always a flow-on effect to the whole of society when, um, you know, uh, Christmas shopping is way down. Yes, that's right. So we just hope it does improve in the well, not too distant future, don't we? Mm, get out there and spend, even if you haven't got it. Is that a good mantra? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Russell. What's a legacy for good? And this, yes, oh, this is a good one. Yes, uh, a third of properties built for Victoria's regional Commonwealth Games villages should be set aside for struggling families following the mega event. An alliance of housing groups say. They're a bit worried about the fact that, uh, that some of these housing sites uh, will be going up in uh, for short-term rentals during the event, and they'll be kicking out uh, the uh, people who can least afford to be kicked out. At least 500 new social housing units across uh, four, the four host sites, that's Geelong, Bendigo, Ballarat and Gippsland, are to be created ahead of the 2026 Games. 500 new social housing. Now, advocates led by the Victorian Council of Social Service warn of unintended consequences of the construction and tourism boom could would be that rentals uh, would be taken off the market and put on short-term hosting sites 
and short-term tenants taking, say, over the caravan parks uh, would be used now by low-income families, normally used by low-income families, but maybe taken over for short-term rental during the games. Now, VCOS, the, uh, the Chief Executive, Emma King, says the government should start preparing pre- preventative measures now. In London, for example, uh, rents did skyrocket and never returned to pre-Olympic prices over their Olympic Games. And VCOS wants councils and property investors to try to keep homes as traditional renters throughout the event. So uh, that's uh, interesting to see how that actually takes place. I guess after the event, there'll be a lot of empty social houses, which could be perhaps used for uh, the low-income people, couldn't it? There could. I mean, it's got a history of that not happening. You might remember 1956 when we last had the Olympic Games in Melbourne. Olympic Village was uh, very much uh, the the venue for the housing. Uh, For quite a while there, it became a bit of a ghetto, didn't it? Yes, it did, didn't it? Uh, and uh, I, I don't think I think it's I mean built on now. It's a Heidelberg way, wasn't it? I think. Yes. Mm. So, and that that information on London's pretty interesting too. The report points to London's Olympic Games when rents skyrocketed and never returned to pre-Olympic prices. So, um, it's a moot point about the benefits. Yes, it is. So, hopefully, uh, we didn't sort of think that that side would happen, but apparently. Uh, VCOS has got it in the guns. Uh, that's the Victorian Council uh, for, um, what was it again, uh, uh, of social service. Yeah, Victorian Council of Social Service. They're worried about the unintended consequences in that regard. Yes, they're unintended, but they're not exactly unexpected or unknown. And the history shows that it does happen uh, more often than not at uh, these very expensive things. I'm not saying we shouldn't have them. I'm just saying it's not a, an unusual phenomenon, is it? No. Obviously, it's been, uh, happened before when similar things have happened. Yes, absolutely. So it's uh, an interesting one. The odd spot's a good one this week, Russell. Yes, uh, a chook-chewing champ from Philadelphia drew 500 people to watch him devour a barbecued bird. Monday was the 40th consecutive day that Alexander Tominsky, a 31-year-old, had eaten a rotisserie chicken. He documented his quest on social media, slowly building a cult following that escalated in the final days of his campaign. So he has a whole barbecued chicken a day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like one big meal the same one day after day and then made a big song and dance about it on social media? Yeah, but people will do anything, won't they, to to get a bit of notoriety and doing various things. I don't know whether it made the Guinness Book of Records. There's no mention of that. I don't think it did somehow. (laughs) No, it's an interesting one. What's interesting, too, is that it actually works. If you go and do something like that that's a bit out of the the way, um, you you can generate a great big social following, cult following. There's a guy who just used to watch paint dry and he put that up on social media and he got a cult following. Yeah, he just sit there watching paint dry. People started (laughs) watching paint dry. I mean, of all the bizarre things, um, it shows you uh, how I'd say bored people are or must enjoy being because uh, to watch paint dry as a social media event, they did develop a I think a cult following there some years ago would show you that um, either you've got a lot of time on your hands, you or you've um, or anything will impress you. I, I I'm amazed. I'm amazed at that. Um, what would you do to get a cult following on social media? I think is the bigger question, Russell. 
Oh, do you? I don't know. What would I do? Have you got any ideas? No, no, no. I'll leave that up to you um, because we can promote it on the viewpoints, you know. And... <laughs> <laughs> Have no, Russell land be. Yeah, I think I'll just lay low on that one, I think. <laughs> I reckon your bike's got potential. Oh, do you think? Yeah, I think yeah, I think your bike, I'm just trying to work, we'll work here with my producer, Robert. There's a, uh, there's, I'm just going to jump in here, everybody, yeah. because um, I was just uh, he, um, talking to a friend the other day who watches for relaxation, goes on YouTube and watches a YouTuber who wraps things up like presents birthday presents Christmas mm. presents just wraps and they find oh. that very soothing to watch so this person just wraps presents one after another just a box wraps it up next one wraps it up and my friend said they just enjoy sitting there at night watching this person wrap pre-. and I said that is the weirdest thing I have ever heard I have never heard anything like that in my life I reckon, yes. well, Russell could do the inverse. He could unwrap boxes. What an idea. Well, as long as I can keep the, pen, the presents that are in the boxes. I reckon, yeah. hopefully, if there's a listener out there who could come up with an idea that we could YouTube Russell Hanby, who basically he's looking for a profile now, uh, now that he's not paid anymore by Casey Radio for his wonderful programs, um, to build up a YouTube presence. If there's anyone out there who thinks they could have something for Russell Hanby to engage in that we can post up there on social media, you're, you're a good you're a good scout. You'd, you'd join in, wouldn't you, Russell, in a bit of fun? Oh, I don't know. It depends, really, yes. Well, let's, not, let's give them Henry's address and they can send all of the information <laughs> to his address. Yes, I must admit I'm not all that jumping for joy about the idea, no. Well, we'll let you off the hook on that one as long as you find out the uh, other information we're looking for. All right. If what, What's behind the collapse of the uh, recycling business? Yeah, the yeah. real reasons. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they may be. But, yeah. well, well, listeners, thank you for joining us. And that, uh, that's got Russell Hamby busy for the next week. We do hope you enjoyed that segment. And if you do have any ideas for Russell, let us know. We'll, uh, we'll put them to him and see whether or not, or well, we might just get all his fans to vote on it. That would be <laughs> something. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. That takes us out. Enjoy, listeners. <laughs> 